as I came in through the door. Uh, uh, I work for a full-time ministry about the Hebrew Scriptures, the Society for Distributing Hebrew Scriptures. And uh, just out of interest, for anyone who's interested, you can chat to me about it after if you'd like. I have one of the Bibles here. This is the Hebrew-Russian bilingual uh, Bible, or Tanakh. It's just the Old Testament, this one. We have the Old and New Testament. This one is the Old Testament. It's, it's got Hebrew and Russian in it. You can, I'm sure you can see from where you sit in all the, all the little jots and tittles. But anyway, um, it's all there. And um, there are some other editions. Where are they? they? So this is a little Hebrew um, pocket New Testament. It's in biblical Hebrew. And it's a pocket edition, so they can sort of slip it away like that when, to uh, hide so they can read it when they'd like it. I'm talking about the Jewish people. We give these all free of charge to the Jewish people. And you can see the Hebrew there. And there's another small edition, which is bilingual, Hebrew and Yiddish, which is the language of the ultra-Orthodox. And that is the epistle to the Hebrews. One book of the Bible from the New Testament, the epistle to the Hebrews. And we give these all out to Jewish people all over the world. But I can tell you more about that if you're interested um, afterwards. And now, where's my glass of water? There it is. Uh, 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 A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, the Bible says. But I was in two minds up until a moment ago what to preach on. Um, So hopefully I'm not unstable in all my ways. But... Uh, yes, the Lord has spoken to me about which particular message. And I'd just like to um, read a passage of scripture. With that last hymn we sang, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord, I'll just read um, from Isaiah where that comes from and then, uh, and then go on to a couple of other passages of scripture. This evening, I would like to look at quite a few references, quite a few passages of the Word of God So if you've got your Bibles, do follow along with me. But Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Now, and uh, the message is to go and tell the, the nation of Israel about the holiness of the Lord and so forth, as we read in Isaiah. We will be reading other passages in Isaiah as we go along, but I just want us to understand the holiness of God. Thrice holy, we sometimes say, holy, holy, holy. 
um, it says in verse 3, is the Lord of hosts. These, these creatures sang constantly one to another. And as soon as Isaiah saw God, he saw the living God, he saw Jehovah God, the covenant God, the God of heaven and earth. As soon as he saw him, all he could know is his sinfulness. Woe is me. For I am undone because he saw the Lord. But we know he, he had his sins temporarily um, uh, cleansed. Now, if you turn with me to, and uh, we will look at uh, a couple of verses from the book of Job, chapter 20. I'm sorry, chapter 21, Job 21. Now, is this not the um, way of the world that we see around us? Verse 14. This is the way of many men and women living on this earth and those around us in our own nation as well. And it says there, Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. Where are you at this evening? Are you... Desiring the knowledge of God's ways. Because this is the world's way. All those outside those doors. I just saw somebody um, running past jogging. Perhaps that's the only thing they can do on a Sunday evening. That they can think of. But we come here to know the ways of God. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray Unto him. Well, let's look at that this evening, shall we? This is a question in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. And we will look for the answers of these things and consider the things of God in the Old Testament this evening. Let's pray. Almighty and eternal Heavenly Father, thou art the Most High God, thou art the Holy One, the Holy One who inhabiteth the praises of Israel. We praise thee because thou art worthy. Thou art the one with whom all men have to do, whether they are believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, or whether they are outside of Christ and lost and undone in their sins. All will one day bow the knee to thee. And we pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts through thy word. We know it is the living word of God. It is the sword with two edges, quick and powerful and sharper than anything else, which pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We praise thee, O Lord, for the great salvation that thou hast graciously given us in thy Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus, the finished work at Calvary, the blood of the cross that flowed mingled down the blood of the Lord Jesus. We thank thee. It is still ever able to cleanse. Thou art able. We thank thee, Father. We thank thee for thy goodness to us. Speak through us and move me, Lord. Cleanse me from my sins and move me aside that the people may hear thy voice this evening and not my own. To thee be all the glory, we pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Now, so what is the, is the prophet in praying to the Almighty? But I want to look at the gospel. Now, that's the most basic thing, isn't it? It is the most fundamental thing that we can and should know in this life. If you will turn to me, first of all, to I'm sorry, um, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32, Genesis, 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. It's the last book of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Here Moses begins to sing the song um, for the children of Israel to hearken to, which is full of, uh, indeed of prophecy and, men, and many such things. But here, first of all, what is this thing about the knowledge of God all about that we asked ourselves when we read um, Job? Verse 1, give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Now, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, they are and still are God's earthly people, okay? And the things pertaining to Israel are earthly things. They have a wonderful, um, a bright future that the Lord Jesus still um, uh, prophesies and speaks about to us. The Lord speaks to us about this in the scripture. And here the, um, the Lord, through Moses, is speaking to the children of Israel. Of course, we get wonderful blessings and applications from it ourselves in the church today. But even though the, we as believers, New Testament believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, our, our blessings are spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, as we read about in the book of Ephesians. And the Israelites, the Jewish people, their blessings... Um, um, primarily in that sense as a nation are earthly temporal blessings yet even so for them the purposes of God even transcends and far surpasses this passing world look at this give you O ye heavens to everyone to the, even to the heavens and to the whole earth and I will speak and hear O earth the words of my mouth my doctrine this is so important, the word doctrine. It's an unpopular word today. Why is it an unpopular way? Because it is, as we read in that question in Job, it is one of the questions of the world. What is the profit in, uh, of, of serving the Almighty? You know, what, what point is there in praying to him? And because if you go to church where the word of God is proclaimed, preached, and taught, you'll get the word doctrine. And that's a very either boring-sounding word, or it's a very old-fashioned word, but... It's absolutely essential, the word doctrine, and it's not boring or old-fashioned because the doctrines of God will continue as long as the earth will. Now, my doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. So this is so important what Moses is about to tell the nation of Israel. Now, we're not going to look into the whole chapter, we'll only get to, to verse 4. But first of all, it says, my doctrine shall drop as the rain. Now, you can probably tell where I'm from, okay? I've only lived in South Gloucestershire a short amount of time, okay? Now, over the other side of the Seven Bridge, we get an awful lot of rain, okay? And we don't look out to the windows and say, yippee, it's raining, okay? Because we get it all the time. And you get, get it here, I'm sure, and come down a lot. But in Israel, in the ancient um, near Middle East, the rain was a precious thing. When we went to um, uh, uh, Israel, the, the last time we went there, um, we had this guide and she said, oh look everyone, it's raining, it's raining, isn't this wonderful, she said. And, and I was standing and I thought, where? I can't, I can't feel the rain. And I just about felt the most faint drop of rain imaginable. You know, when you come from Britain, you know, that's not rain, is it? But 
my doctrine shall, what I'm saying is the rain is precious to them and it's so important. And my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. Why? Because I will publish, this is what he shall publish, the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He's going to publish the name of Jehovah. That's what it is in all capitals there. L-O-R-D, all capitals. Jehovah, the covenant God of Israel. And ascribe a greatness to the great creator, God himself, who are one and the same. And uh, this is his purpose. So we are ready, coming into the answer, that these uh, um, people, unbelievers, who, who asked this question in the book of Job... We are to ascribe greatness unto our God. Why is that? Well, it'll all become clear as we look into the gospel presentation here in the Old Testament. He is the rock. His work is perfect. And rock is synonymous with strength. There is no strength apart from God. Not even the rocks on the hills around us are strong in comparison with the almighty perfection of God. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. And that has a positive sense of the word and negative. Positive in someone getting the judgment of blessings that they, that they uh, are due. But also in a, in a condemnatory sense, judgment. It says there again in, uh, in verse 4. For all his ways are judgment. He is just. He is the judge. A God of truth. Not a God of perhaps, maybe, what are the newspapers saying? What's the latest fad on Twitter? What is coming out of Parliament or any such thing like that? Or what's coming out on the you know, social networks and all the what's fashionable today and what you should and shouldn't say today? He is a God of truth. And can I tell you, here it is. This is God's truth. The word of God. There is no truth next to the word of God. If you understand what I mean by that. It is the absolute, inerrant word of God. He has preserved it for us to read today in the 21st century. A God of truth. And look at this. And we sang about this in one of the hymns this evening. And... Without iniquity. So he is a God of judgment. He is a God of truth. And he is a God without iniquity. It's starting to get a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? He is a God without iniquity. Just and right is he. Perfectly just. More just than the most just judge there has been, even in this land. A God who is perfect. He is a God of truth. And he is just and right. And without iniquity. So he is without iniquity. And let's, um, let's go through this very quickly. Without even having to turn to a passage of scripture. Well let's, let's just pluck one from our memory. And all our, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Isaiah says. All of them. And that's talking about our righteousnesses. Let alone our sins. Now, God is a God without iniquity. No iniquity. 
perhaps you could phrase it, outside of iniquity. Or rather, iniquity is outside, away from, not in the presence of God. Now we, when we read the scriptures, know that we are sinners. And what backs that up is our own conscience and the knowledge of what we are like on the inside in the way in which we know and others around us who look upon us externally don't know our own hearts, but we know our own hearts. So we know and back up the fact that we are sinful and full of iniquity, and without God there is, only, uh, there is sorry, with God there is no iniquity. And so we have a problem, we cannot get to God. That is the problem. We cannot get to him, we cannot even approach him. It is impossible because of our sin. We cannot, let's put it in a simple way, get to heaven. Now, if you look at Ezekiel chapter 18, Ezekiel chapter 18, the uh, uh, prophet Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. And I'm just taking some verses from these few uh, passages of scripture this evening. Ezekiel chapter 18. The word of the Lord came unto me again. So this is not just Ezekiel's word, but specifically the word of the Lord. And let's just look for the sake of time at verse 4. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. So all the souls, all who have ever been created, all men and women who have ever walked this earth or have been born, all souls are his. And look, it's starting to get even more difficult. Verse 4, at the end of verse 4. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. We've already seen that God cannot be in the presence of sin. Or let's put it another way, sin and the, therefore the sinner cannot be in the presence of God. And the soul, all souls are his and he is just and right and judge. He is the judge and will judge all men. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And this goes beyond our physical person, these physical bodies which are just our transportation systems for our eternal soul. The soul that sinneth shall die. And that is talking ultimately about the second death where you shall die eternally if you are not a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. So now it's getting more difficult, isn't it? But wait, it's not all bad news. We'll turn now to Zechariah. It's almost right at the end of the Old Testament. So this is the gospel according to the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 13. There is no way to get to God. There is no way to receive salvation. Certainly coming to Union Chapel. Or the church that I go to. Or the church that anyone goes to. Will not save you. It's coming to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Of course, we come to church and we are faithful in coming to the, to the meetings because we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together and we love to fellowship with each other and hear the preaching and teaching of God's word. But look at verse 6 of Zechariah chapter 13. And one shall say unto him, now this is a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe 
plainly that it's speaking about what will, she, what will be proclaimed to the Jewish people in a day which is yet future. But we're getting an application, a gospel application from it ourselves this evening. And one shall say unto him, that is the Lord, what are these wounds in thine hands? So there is Christ in the Old Testament. Then he, Christ himself, shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. You see, he came to his own, the Jewish people. He came to Israel. He came unto his own. But his own received him not. And at the end of that uh, week where he triumphantly enters into Jerusalem to present himself as king. They could have received him as king, but they didn't. They cried out saying, crucify him. Crucify him. What are these wounds in thy hands? Then he shall answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And why was he wounded in the house of his friends amongst the Jewish people? And let's face it, not just the Jewish people, all. And by the way, who, um, let's put it in a very simple sense, who killed the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ? Did you know that he said, I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it again. It is the Lord himself who laid down his life and he gave up his ghost at Calvary, as the Bible says. Now, um, um, uh, uh, Isaiah, now going back to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45. Now, this is an amazing um, chapter, as, as most of Isaiah is, actually. But verse, uh, chapter 45, look at verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. If only the people who would be asking this question, like we read in the book of Job earlier, what profit is there in, 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 in praying? What, prof, what profit is there in uh, having the knowledge of the Almighty? I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. It's an amazing statement that the Lord gives. And we read on in verse, uh, let's look at verse 21. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? So this is not just a New Testament truth. Of course, it is brought out and perfected, you know, in the New Testament and in Paul's epistles and so forth. And there is much um, um, revealed which was hidden in the Old Testament. But ultimately, ultimately it's there in the Old already. From ancient time, who hath told it from that time? And this who is who has, who has told it. Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me. A just God and a saviour. There is none beside me, a just God and a saviour. It's so important for us to understand this, is it not? Um, there is no God else beside me. Now think about this for a moment. There is no other God beside the speaker in this verse, which is the Lord himself. God. There is no God else beside me, a just God and a saviour. So God and the saviour are one and the same. You see, if you listen to the cults, and, uh, you know, we mustn't beat about the bush. We must say it as it is. The JWs are, cult, are a cult. The Mormons are a cult. Okay? 
whatever these people are. You can always tell them because they are always off with regards to the person of Christ. They will say, here is God, and here is the Lord Jesus, who is the Savior. God over there, and the Lord Jesus, Savior over there. But I can't imagine what terrible judgment awaits them for luring men away from the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus. You see here in verse 21, there is no God else beside me, a just God and a saviour. The one and the same person, the Lord Jesus Christ's deity, is clearly spoken throughout scripture. In fact, the next verse, the next verse is the verse which brought that famous um, preacher, Charles Spurgeon, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, a, a, a poor man was in the pulpit preaching on a snowy day and he didn't have much to say he only preached for 10 minutes but he preached this look unto me and be ye saved look unto me and be ye saved and not just Israel look all the ends of the earth everyone Jew and Gentile for I am God and there is none else and this uh, preacher in the pulpit in um, 1861 it was on the 6th of January 18 uh, I think it's 1861 or maybe 1851 I forget but he said to the young man who came in at the back of the church young man you look miserable and you will always be miserable unless you obey my text look unto me that is to Christ and be ye saved look unto me I am on the cross, bleeding for you there. Look unto me, I am buried in the tomb. Look unto me, I have risen from the dead. Look and live. And that young man at the back looked to Jesus and lived. You know what I mean, lived. He came into eternal life. And that man was Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon. But we see that this God, the one who cannot have any iniquity at all. He is that just God, but he is also a saviour. So here we see what man and what woman can, what we can do, what we can, well, rather not do, but what rather he's done already for us, how we can know God and come to him, a just God and a saviour. Now turn over a few pages to the most... uh, um, Famous prophecy, probably in the Old Testament, certainly in Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who has believed this, uh, ultimately, amongst the Jewish people? The prophet is saying here. And when the Jewish people even today read this, they are absolutely amazed because they think... They think and believe they're reading the New Testament, but it's here in the Old. For he, this Messiah, this one who shall come, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form, nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Can I say that he was just a carpenter? Just a simple carpenter. Not a desirable desirable ruler a beautiful king he was presented to them as just a carpenter he had no form or comeliness when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him 
at his first advent, certainly at his first advent, he is despised and rejected of men. Think about that. He is despised and rejected of men. He is rejected of men. He is rejected of each and every man and woman each time they sin. He is despised and rejected. Even as believers, if you're a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ and you sin. Because you're not perfect yet. You're not glorified yet. Think about what that means to Christ. But look at this. He is despised and rejected of men. He came unto his own and to people and to men in love. But he was a man of sorrows. He was rejected and he was acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. People had. Man had hid their face from him. We don't want to know you. If you come to your friend and say, no, they say, we don't want to know you. Would you not be offended? Would you, would you not be sad about that? And, and, and you, you would be depressed. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. But look at this verse, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And I'll come back to that in a moment, but going on to verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You see the wounds in his hands from the house of his friends were for us, for you, and for I this evening. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But where does the Lord lay the iniquity? And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, all of us. He's laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now I said about we hid as it were our faces from him, but look at verse 4. Surely this is the great crescendo in the wonderful salvation of God, as it were, in, uh, uh, certainly before his wonderful and mighty resurrection. Verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken. And look at this, just three words. Certainly in the King James Bible, it's just three words here. Smitten of God. Think about it. Pause there. Pause there for a whole hour. Pause there for a whole day. Smitten of God. Never mind about smitten by the Romans with the hammer and those terrible nails. Never mind by smitten by his own who said, away with him, away with him, crucify him. He was smitten of God. Oh, what is that? There's an old hymn, isn't there? Do you know that old hymn? Oh, make me understand it. Help me to take it in. What it meant to thee, the Holy One, to take away my sin. I love that hymn, but surely, when we think about it, truly, can we even, even for a moment, bear the thought of the knowledge of what it meant to him to take away our sin? You see, he was smitten of God for the first time in all eternity. The Father turned his face away. 
No more fellowship between the Father and the Son. Smitten of God, the, 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 the depths of the awful agony and eternal suffering of soul for our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Smitten of God and yet the depths of the riches of his wonderful grace in that he was smitten of God. He was smitten of God, not us, smitten of God. Let alone what anyone else could say to him or do to him physically, smitten of God. Maybe we should stop and think about that in our quiet times, in our devotions. What it meant, those three words, smitten of God. He took away our sins. And we praise his name for that. All who have believed on him. And we're getting towards the end now. Job chapter 19. I quite possibly may have touched on this last time I came. All, all in the Old Testament here. Job chapter 19. Verse 23. Job, who was such an ancient man. You know, this is at least... At least three and a half thousand years ago, if not more. He knew. God had revealed it to him. Verse 23. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. And there they are in front of me and in front of you this evening. They are written. And he he exclaims this desire for his words to be printed. And the the very next um, uh, uh, few verses are, are what he so desires most. For us to know us in, uh, in these modern days in which we live. That they were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. Like lead in the rock for, forever. These words of Job. What words? This word. Verse 25. For I know. As we've sang in that hymn this evening. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. He didn't stay Dead. He didn't stay in the grave. He was smitten of God. But praise God. He lives. And because he lives. We can face tomorrow. And what does that mean facing tomorrow? Whatever's in our life. Whatever heartache and difficulty you are going through. Which I don't know what it is. But the Lord knows. And we can face to the tomorrow of tomorrows. When we shall see God. Because he lives. I know that my Redeemer, and he's his Redeemer. Christ is his Redeemer. Christ is my Redeemer. Is he your Redeemer this evening? For I know that my Redeemer liveth. He rose from the dead. And that, look, there's more. He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. It's such a wonderful truth, isn't it? He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus makes me free. He lives, what a wonderful salvation. And he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after or according to my skin, this, this body which I have, even worms will destroy this body. Yet in my flesh shall I see God. And this is the resurrection body which we read about in the New Testament and is here in the Old. No man can see God and live. So we must have that perfected resurrection body in order to see God. I sh- uh, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself. It won't just be told me 
in the word of God, in the scripture, and I'll believe it by faith. You see, it says here, whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another. And that means not a stranger. He won't be a stranger to me because I love him. And more than that, he loves me. He is my redeemer, though my reins be um, consumed within me. He says, whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold. We praise him for his wonderful salvation. Think about it. Think about your sinfulness. Think about your, sin, your sinful past. Away you would be if God stopped at the fact that he is judge and just. But he's also your redeemer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. My favourite verse from all the Psalms. Again the Old Testament. As for me. So there's the resurrection. Oh and he did say. He did say. And he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. The Lord is coming again. He's coming again. Are you ready? First of all, we who, which believe, who believe and are saved will be caught up to meet him in the clouds. But the Lord is coming again. But listen to this. My most favorite verse from the Psalms. Psalm seventeen fifteen. As for me, Old Testament still, I will behold his face in righteousness. Finally, Geraint will be righteous. I have the righteousness of Christ, but you know what? I still battle with the old man. You still battle with the old man. But I shall behold his face, his face in righteousness. And finally, I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Are you longing for that day, O oh believer, O oh friend, if you are born again on the, uh, uh, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ this evening? Are you longing for that day when you shall awake, not any longer with your own likeness, but you shall awake with his likeness? We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So what do we do about this? As a believer, love him. Those who name the name of Christ depart from iniquity and love Christ. Just love him. Love him so much that trials and temptations won't even matter anymore. Because these few short moments of heartache, pain, crying, sorrow and difficulty here will just be like a Step, one step into eternal glory with him. But if you're not a believer, if you're not certain that you're a born again believer on the Lord Jesus Christ this evening, just obey what Isaiah said. Look unto me and be ye saved. Look unto Christ, look unto him, look unto him now. Right now, where you are, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. What profit is there in praying to God? And what profit is there in the knowledge of the Almighty? 
My friends, these things, these things are the prophet, and they will profit you too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the word of God. We thank thee for all that thou art for us. We thank thee for all the things that thou art doing for us in and through our lives. We thank thee for the wonderful blessings that you give us. We, 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 we are often showered with temporal blessings, but our spiritual blessings, that is where we are, in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ, and no man can pluck us out of his hand. This is such a wonderful thing, Lord, and we praise thee for this. And as we have seen the gospel of thy Son, our Saviour, through, throughout the Old Testament, and we could go on, Lord, on and on, praising thee for the glory of thy grace shown to us through thy word, Lord. Yet, Lord, let us have this time to ponder in our own hearts, Lord, and to consider our ways, and to consider the ways in which we live for thee, and Lord, if there is one here who is not yet sure of their salvation, cause them to know that today is the day of salvation. Today, Lord, not tomorrow. Have them call out and believe on thee, even this evening. We thank thee, Father, and we pray that each and every one that leaves this church, this chapel, this evening, is certain that should they step out of these doors and die, even tonight, that they will be in the presence of their redeemer and not their judge and they shall behold his face in righteousness and lord shall be satisfied when they awake with thy likeness we praise thee father and ask thy blessing upon the remainder of this meeting through jesus christ our lord and savior amen amen, amen.